We start this sermon series this morning. It's a powerful sermon series to remind us that God never said that. And I'm going to talk about this in just a moment, but I kind of want to emphasize this more than once today. So I want you to understand this. There's a reason why we're doing this sermon series, and it's because people have been burned by churches when they've been told the wrong things. For instance, today we're looking at God wants you to be happy. God never said that. You can't find it in Scripture. Well, you can find it in Scripture if you twist and turn some Scripture passages. You can find it in Scripture. And that's unfortunately why some people say that God said it. So what happens is people come to church, their life doesn't change, their relationship with their spouse who is falling apart doesn't change, things don't go the way they thought they should go, and they say, oh, God wanted me to be happy. So now I'm not happy, so what's their next response? To go out those doors or those doors and never return. Because some well-meaning Christian told them, God just wants you to be happy. It's in Scripture. Is it? You see, we have to be careful with the messages that we are proclaiming. Because sometimes we proclaim messages that aren't true. And then people get disappointed, they get mad, they leave, and they never give God a chance again. It's a sad commentary. We're going to be launching into this brand new four series message called God Never Said That. Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to talk about four different cultural belief systems that people have for years attributed to God. But the reality is, God never said these things. For example, next week is a very important week. We're going to talk about what so many people believe is actually in the Bible, but it is not. People say all the time, God will never give you more than you can handle. God never said that. Week number three. We're going to talk about a very dangerous cultural lie that many people believe. That is, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. God never said that. Week number four may be, in my honest, humble opinion, the most important one in the whole four weeks. That is, people believe it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. God never said that. Today we're going to talk about what may be the most popular misbelief about God in our Western version of Christianity, which means in America. That is that God wants you happy. Above all else, God wants you happy. I would love with all of my heart to be able to tell you, above all else, God wants you to be happy. But it's not true. It's not fact, I could even quote Scripture to try to convince you that it is true. In Psalm 97.12 it says, and this won't be on the screen, it's just me reading it, may all who are godly, may all who are godly be happy. In fact, that verse simply makes me want to get real happy This is one of the biggest cultural mistakes in what people believe about God. They believe above all else, again, God wants you to be happy. If you believe that, it starts you down a road of other misbeliefs. 
Let me show you what I call the theology of happiness. If you believe that God's supreme goal for you is your happiness, here is what eventually you start to do. Number one, if you're taking notes, it's on the uh, sermon outline in the bright orange paper. Here's the theology of happiness. Number one, whatever makes me happy must be right. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Takes you down that dangerous road, my friends. When you start believing that all God wants me to be is happy, then you start down this theology of happiness, which number one false teaching is, is that you believe that whatever makes me happy must be right. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Cheryl Crow even sang about this when she sang the song, If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If we believe that God wants us happy above all else, then number one, whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Do you see the dangers in that kind of thinking? There are a lot of things that make me happy that are just flat out wrong. And there are a lot of things that make me unhappy that are flat out right. dangerous so this sermon series comes because i i hear it from time to time not necessarily in faith church but in all my years of ministry i hear people say to them oh you know they 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 reach out to somebody who's an unbeliever and they say come on into our church because god just wants you to be happy um be careful with that Be careful with that. Second, we believe this. We believe that discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconvenience, and obstacles cannot be God's will. We believe it. If you believe that God just wants you to be happy, what you believe is is that when God delays something, when God smacks something, stops something, shuts doors that you don't think should be shut, does something in your life that is just amazingly, you just don't understand it, guess what happens? We start saying to ourselves, this can't be God's will. Because, I mean, He's delaying it. He's, he's um, uh, what other words do I use here? He's, 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 he's making it discomfortable, uncomfortable. He, he's making me suffer for it. He's making me have inconvenience and obstacles. It just couldn't be God's will if that's the case. All because we go back to the bad theology that God wants me to be happy. I see it in ministry all the time. I do. I see commission directors who come up to me sometimes and they say, you know, I want to do this plan and it seems like every time I do it, I hit a bump and I hit a bump and I hit a bump and, and, and sometimes they, they uh, God love them, they throw their hands in the air and they say, I just don't understand it. I think God doesn't want me to do this. Why? Because He's challenging you a little bit? Because He loves you enough to take the rough edges off? Because He wants you to grow in the process? Is that why it could not be God's will? Number three, without knowing it, we begin to worship the false gods 
of comfort. And those gods are money and pleasure and things. Those gods are money and pleasure and things. What happens when we get to this point in our lives? When we start saying that, you know, we're going to worship these false gods, God becomes a cosmic Coke machine. That's what he becomes. Here's what happens picture this. We go up to the Coke machine, we put the quarter in, now the dollar in. (laughs) That's gone up quite a bit since I've been a kid. Put the dollar in. Sometimes you put the dollar 50 in depending if you're at Messiah College or National Conference. You put the $1.50 in, you hit the button. What do you expect? You expect the Pepsi, the Mountain Dew, the, the water, whatever you chose, and you know whatever that is, you expect it to fall out of the machine and be able to pick it up and get refreshed with the drink. What happens if it doesn't happen? Well, you sometimes kick the machine. You sometimes get very angry and demand your money back. Can I tell you that people do it to God all the time? God, I've given you everything. I've put the quarter in the cosmic Coke machine, and I still have cancer. I put the quarter in the cosmic Coke machine, and I still have issues. I put the quarter in the cosmic Coke machine and I still have got problems in my life. I don't understand it, God, because you told me if I just put the dollar and fifty in and hit the button, you'll give me a Pepsi and life will be grand. Here's the problem. He never told you that. Never did. Doesn't say it in his word, doesn't ever say it privately. You told me. No, he didn't. Just put the money in and I'll get the Pepsi. No, he didn't. Coke machine, whatever. Doesn't matter. Fits this example. The bottom line is, is that friends, you can go to life groups, small groups, Sunday school. You can attend every church worship service and you may still have issues. See, the reality is sometimes God wants us to be reminded that He's in control. Literally, without knowing it, this is what we do. We reduce God down to that formula. God, I said my prayers, I went to church, I tried to do good things, I tried not to do bad things, I gave a little money in the offering plate, I helped a little old lady across the street, I dodged my neighbor's cat and didn't run over it, I've done all of these good things, therefore my headaches should go away. Therefore teens, that girl or that boy should go out with me. Therefore I should get that job. Therefore I should get the dream house. Because I put the money in, God. I pressed the button. Therefore, God, you should do what I want you to do. Here's the tragedy of this belief. 
So many people end up walking away from God for totally, completely wrong reasons because of the wrong beliefs. And if I had a dime for every time I heard these words, I'd be a rich pastor. I tried church and it didn't make me any happier. I tried religion and it didn't work. I tried the God thing. I even went to small groups in Sunday school. I read the Bible for a while and I still have the disease. My kids are still rebellious. I'm still not any better off financially. I tried religion and it didn't work. If you believe that God exists to make you happy, then you're not happy. When you're not happy, it forces you to believe that God failed. See, what God didn't do is He didn't fail. We started with the wrong presumptions, which led us to a very dangerous place. Now, after depressing the entire world in this congregation by saying, hey, God doesn't want you to be happy, I do believe that God delights in your happiness. That when you're happy, I believe it brings him joy, just as my parent, just as any parent is delighted when a child has joy or happiness. There's nothing more that brings my heart to an overwhelming, pouring sp- uh, spirit is to see Serenity or Freddie get a big old smile on their face, like I saw at Myrtle Beach when Freddie saw the ocean for the very first time. Got knocked over by a wave, and I thought to myself. Oh goodness, we're going home early because he's never going to want to go into the ocean again. He gets up, he starts laughing. That was fun. There's nothing that you could ever replace in my heart that would made my heart almost want to explode than that scene. It plays through my head almost every day. Watching him have new experiences that he has never had before. And i got to believe that God the Father feels the same way about each of you and that when you're happy he delights in that but his job is not to make you happy so please don't get all depressed on this sermon don't say you know well pastor man you really came down hard on the hammer maybe i did maybe it's because you've been believing a lie And maybe this will free you to be able to understand that God is not in the business of making you happy. He delights in your happiness, but He is not in the business of making you happy. God doesn't want you to pursue happiness. He wants you to pursue Him. Not pursuing Him for our happiness, but for who He is. God doesn't want you happy. And here's the next slide. When it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. I want you to catch that. God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Here's, let me give you the example of what, uh, what, what, what God might be talking about using the example I used earlier. God doesn't want me to be happy, so happy that Freddie uh, got in the ocean and he got knocked over and he didn't care about the fact that he got knocked over. He was just excited to be in the ocean and he swam in the ocean. So happy that I take his vest off that keeps him above water and I just throw him in the ocean. I walk away. Look at my son. He's having a great time in the ocean. Meanwhile, he can't gasp. He can't get any breath. He's dying. (laughs) Look at him. He's having a great... Yeah, yeah, I see you waving to me for help. That's great. Yeah, you're having a great time. 
Yet we do it all the time. We lie, we gossip, we do all these things in the church, and we say to ourselves, ah, makes me happy. At least I'm not the, the problem. putting it in not so nice terms and I know Miss Chris would correct me if she was here this morning because she tells her kids this is not a good word but I will tell you putting it in in not so nice terms would be saying that God would not would not want you to be happy if if you do if it causes you to do something that is stupid or sinful there's words that you can understand God does not want me to be happy by throwing Freddie into the ocean without a vest to hold him up and saying, ha, 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 because that's number one, stupid. Sorry for those teachers that don't like that word. And number two, sinful. I am his responsibility. He is my responsibility. So what God says is, listen, in 1 Peter 1.15, he says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Be holy in all you do. Here's what happens in today's, today's world. And believe me, these, these step on my toes too. We, we quit our job. Because, you know, it's just not making me happy. My wife isn't meeting my needs, so I'll go find my needs met somewhere else. Not to mention premarital sex. We're in love. God will understand. Will He? I know I'm stepping on toes. But they need to be stepped on sometimes. He brought a marriage covenant. I mean, Pastor, I know that that show that I watch on TV dishonors you, dishonors God, and well, I enjoy it. It's funny. Last time I checked, funny doesn't make wrong right. Oh, there's lots of shows on TV that dishonor God that make me laugh. That doesn't make it right. Does it? I mean, we are a culture that, that, that honors the laugh. If you can get somebody to laugh, you can have them for the rest of their time. But that doesn't make it right. Notice what 1 Peter 1.15 on the screen does not say. Well, give it your best shot to be holy as He is holy. It doesn't say be holy when you can be holy. It doesn't say be a stick in the ground. Not having any fun. It says, be holy as He is holy. And as far as the holy people not having any fun, some of the most fun people I know are living their lives for Christ. You see, we are so tempted today to worship at the altar of happiness And that brings me to my second point. God doesn't want you to be happy when it's based on things of this world. In John, 1 John 2, verses 15-17, through he says the following words. Do not love the world or anything in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the, for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the, the lust of the flesh, the, 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 the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. See, automatically when I read that, people sometimes come to the assumption that we're supposed to be hermits. So what God's telling me is I shouldn't love the world, so you're telling me I should live in a cabin out in the middle of the woods, not interact with anybody, not have any pleasures. No, but when pleasures become more important than God, we have an issue. When we have an opportunity to serve God or build more pleasures, and we choose the pleasures over serving God, there's an issue. Believe me, it's a battle that we all fight every day of our lives. Every day of our lives. Here's the mathematical equation that is currently used in the world. If we have better possessions plus peaceful, 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 peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences plus the right relationships plus the perfect appearance, that equals happiness so basically what they say is possessions we need to have the newer the most fast the shiniest the bigger whatever plus peaceful circumstances the absence of all conflict plus thrilling experiences the perfect vacation the fun experience the big hit the big thrill plus the right relationship if you're not right i'll trade you in for someone different newer younger whatever plus the perfect appearance one pastor puts it, we will tuck it, lift it, puff it, smoke it, smooth it, shave it, whatever we have to do to have the perfect appearance. If you have all these things, better possessions, peaceful circumstances, thrilling experiences, the right relationship, the right appearance, that equals what? It equals happiness. That equals happiness. If you have all that, you will be happy. The problem is, all of these things are based on happenings and happenings change i'm reminded every day when i'm trying to chase my four-year-old i'm not 23 anymore i don't run up and down the basketball court at dover pennsylvania I come in from playing with him and my knees hurt, my back hurts, my head hurts. I tell Michelle, just throw ice on me everywhere. Because you see, if I base my happiness on my looks, well, first of all, I'd have been out a long time ago. But second of all, if I base my happiness on how I feel, I'm not going to be happy for very long. And that's the world's equation. Just buy that new car. Get that shiny car. Get that best thing. Get the new, the new, the new hip and whatever you got to do. 
tuck it, smoke it, smooth it, shave it, whatever you got to do to look great. You will feel happy then. And the problem is, is that you'll feel happy for about five minutes after you walk out of the, 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 the salon or the, or the hairdo place or whatever you walk out of. But then when your humidity hits and the sweat starts rolling and things start getting hot in your life and things start saying to you, I don't understand why I'm going down this road. Guess what will happen? Your happiness will find the exit, the closest one to you. And you'll be sitting on your sofa saying, I'm not happy. But yet I just went to the salon. I just got a a massage. I felt great walking out of the massage. I got home and I realized that's not a real happiness. You see, above all else, God's high calling for you is not your happiness because I'm going to argue with all my heart God does not want you to be happy as much as God wants you to be blessed. God has far something far better than your happiness. He wants you to be blessed. And let's take a look at what that means. Here's what that means. God wants you blessed. Here's the word blessed. This is the word that is used in the uh, the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are those you fill in the blank. All those words. It's a word that is used and it's... Um, it's Macarius, and here's what it means. It means to be supremely blessed, more than happy. That's what God means. <coughs> so those, those Bible translations that, that translate um, the Beatitudes into happy or the, uh, the pure in heart, happy this, happy that, that's not a really correct translation. And so if your translation says that, I have to tell you, you got to change it to blessed. Because it's not a correct translation. Because what we put on as happiness is, is a fleeting happiness. But what God says is this is supremely more than happy. This is, this is, this is blessed. First and foremost, God wants you to be blessed. And why does He want you to be blessed, not happy? Well, because happiness is based on happenings. Having a blessed life is based on His goodness and His presence in your life. Here's the deal. Happiness will be based on what I look like, how I feel, how much money I'm bringing into the bank account, how much I'm providing for my family. Happiness will be based on those things according to the world. For the Christian, being blessed is how is God using you? Is He changing your attitude? Is He challenging you to be a better Christian? Is He growing you through His Word? Is He allowing you to continue to grow in His grace? That's the questions the Christians ask. We don't need to ask about the looks. Yeah, sure, you should go out and look the best you can and do all the things you can do and exercise and take care of yourself and all those things. I'm not downing those things. However, what I'm saying is is that at the bottom end of the day, there's only one person I answer to. And I know there's ministry council members sitting here. I don't answer to them. I know there's pastoral relation teams members sitting here. I don't answer to them. And there's only one person you answer to. And you say, yeah, but I have a boss at my work. Well, if you're answering to him, I'm sure your boss at work is going to be happy. Because if you work like you're working for him, I don't know any boss that's going to say, that's not good enough. I don't know. I have yet to meet a boss that if I'm working for him, 
that they say to me, that's not good enough. But if I'm lazy, if I'm acting like I'm working for the boss that's on earth, that's when problems exist. That's when things start to get ugly. Because I'm doing what I got to do to get by. Instead of being blessed, according to the Greek word of being blessed. What it doesn't mean, I want to be clear, doesn't mean I'll never get sick. Doesn't mean I'll never lose my job. It doesn't mean I'll never get a zip before prom for those teenagers here. It doesn't mean things will always go my way. It doesn't mean God will always say yes to my prayers. It doesn't mean I'll always get that dream house. What it means is I'm blessed beyond belief. I want to end with two scripture passages and then I want you to watch a short video at the end of this. Here's the first scripture passage. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Here's a scripture passage or a scripture. Here's a information on this scripture passage. I want you to notice the progression. Look up here. See how it says, first delight in the Lord and then He will give you the desires of your heart. Why does God say that in His Word? Why put it in that possession? Here's why. Because when you're not delighting in Him, your desires of your heart are different than when you are. For instance, for my unbelieving friends, their desire is to own um, homes that are in places that I would never even be able to go on vacation to. I have buddies that are in high school that are making thousands and thousands and thousands of more dollars than I will ever make, and they live for every dollar. They put every energy into that dollar. That is what they are focused on because that's the desires of their heart. But you see, when we get our desires lined up with what God wants, then all of a sudden, this all becomes our desire. Eternity becomes our desire. But as long as we are sitting out here and saying, I'm not going to delight in the Lord. I'm not going to read His Word. I'm not going to take it serious. I'm not going to do what God has called me to do. I'm not going to stand up when I'm called upon. I'm not going to do those things. As long as we're doing that, we are not delighting in Him. And then our desires of our heart are a new car, winning a million dollars so all my problems go away, which just brings on a whole other problems. Dream job. All these different things. That's what our goal is. That's what our goal is because we're always focused on those things because we're not delighting in God. The minute we become delighting in God, then our desires of our heart change. We want to see people come to know Jesus. We have a burning passion to see people come and fall on their face before Jesus and say, God, I have been living my life far from you and it's time for me to come. You want to know, people come to me all the time and they say, I used to have that passion that you preach with every Sunday morning, but it's kind of been whimmed off in the morning or whimmed off in the years of service at the church. You want to know how to reclaim it? Delight in Him. Simple. Delight in Him. You start delighting in other things. You start delighting in making sure that your business is going as great as it can or doing whatever you got to do to get the job done. Guess what will happen? Your mind will get on those things and then your desires of your heart will be more money, more paychecks, more this, more that. And God says, no. Delight in me and I will match your desires to my heart. 
and then I will provide them. And watch it happen. People that say to me after this sermon, and I'll just tell you now so you know what my answer will be. Oh, I, I wish I could do that or oh, I've tried that. I got to tell you, try again. Got to tell you, try again. Because it's in His Word. It's true. It's true. And then last is that Scripture passage that I started off with this morning. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise His holy name. Can I ask you a question this morning? I'm going to ask you anyway, so you don't have an answer to that. Can a fish, does a fish like the beach? You knew it had to be an example from the beach. Well, if you give it sunglasses and a pile of cash, will it be happy on the beach? Answer is no. Why? Because they're not made for the beach. They just are not. They will end up losing their lives if they are on the beach too long. And we saw that in Myrtle Beach as a dead fish came up on shore. Follow me here, friends. Follow me. We are not made for this earth. We really are not. That's why we will eventually either meet Jesus when he comes back or go to be with him. We are not made for the earth. So to believe that God would base our happiness on this earth and the things it offers is not who he is. Nor did he ever say it works that way. If a fish isn't happy on the beach, even if you give him sunglasses and a pile of cash and a bottle of water, well, a bottle of water might help him keep happy a little longer. What makes you think God's going to bless you on this earth with earthly things? You don't belong here. This is not your home. You're passing through. And all He's asked you to do is reach out and share Jesus and be a disciple of His. So there's two responsibilities. Everybody says, oh, if I become a church member or if I, or if I get involved in a church, I'm going to get all these responsibilities thrown on me. No, I have two responsibilities for every church person that walks through these doors. Here's the two. They're real easy. One, you grow in your relationship with Him. You read the Word. You grow in your relationship with Him. You're not the same person you were on Monday when Friday rolls around. That's one. Two, you share the good news of Jesus with other people. Who came up with those ideas? Jesus did. So why should I add 10,000 other responsibilities to your list? If you're doing those two things, you're going to do a great job as a commission director. If you're doing those two things, you're going to do a great job in your ministry. If you're growing in the Word, if you're sharing the good news of Jesus, you're going to do a great job. But if you're not, you're going to be like a fish on the beach. You're going to flounder. You're going to flounder. And what God says is, listen, I'm not going to bless you with things that, 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 that don't make an impact in eternity. Now, He may bless you with a new home. But you know why He blessed you with that new home? Because He knows you're going to bring people into that home and you're going to share Christ with those people in that home. He doesn't bless people with new homes just because they want bigger bedrooms and nicer places. He doesn't open doors because He wants you to bring more people to yourself. 
He opens doors because He wants us to bring more people to Jesus. I want you to go home with that challenge. And tomorrow, while you have picnics and do things other than work, or maybe you do work on tomorrow, think about this. I mean, really think about it. And here's what I want you to think about. The next slide. God doesn't want you to pursue happiness. He wants you to pursue Him. And you may be asking, Pastor, you know, you came back from vacation. Why are you so passionate about this? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you didn't ask. I found this video the other day, and it speaks for my passion for this. And I think sometimes we believe Christ wants us to be happy, so when things don't go right, we say, well, it certainly couldn't have been of Christ. I think instead of letting things knock us down and around, I think we we need to remember who we belong to, who we live for, and who this church is all about. Now let me just say, before we move forward on this video, I need to learn this too. I have not perfected it yet, but I want you to take a watch. And you may not be able to see the guy that will be in this sermon, but you'll be able to hear his words clearly. Take a listen. We are ambassadors. How can it... How can it be? How can it be? It would have been an astounding measure of grace if He just sent us to hell for a while. But He's kept us out completely. It would have been an astounding measure of grace. An astounding measure. If He would have put us someplace neutral where no place could be found for us and just left us there for an eternity, that would have been grace in light of our sin. It would have been inconceivable that He would set us on the same level with angels and make us servants in His court. But He has made us sons. And if that were not enough, Ambassadors. Ambassadors of Christ. Not of the law, not of the letter, but of His own dear Son. Ambassadors of Christ. There's such majesty in that. There's such beauty, and yet there is a beauty that is so sharp that it kills the preacher. It has the power to disintegrate his mind and shatter his heart in a million pieces. Oh, brethren, you don't need much. You only need an exalted, a greater, a wider, a higher, a deeper view of Christ. The people of God around the world today, they don't need strategies. They don't need the wisdom of men. They don't need clever ideas. They only need to see Christ. And that is the burden, that is the terror, the pain, and the beauty of the preacher. Brethren, we are not men of the people. And although we must love them and walk among them, we are primarily men of God. And it is our primary task to be in His courts. 
to be in his courts, to be on his doorstep, and to say nothing I've had up till now is enough. I must have more of Christ. And then to look out over God's people and see them hungry and with so little power and so wayward and so distracted and cry out, Oh God, am I not a preacher? Am I not a preacher? Then consume my heart with Christ that I might stand before your people and in the word I proclaim they have a greater vision of Him and in seeing Christ it is enough. It is enough. That's what keeps me up late at night. That Faith Church would have a passion for Jesus. That's why I'm passionate on Sunday mornings and every day of my life. That we would not see God as a God who is a cosmic Coke machine. Put the money in, do your work, and He'll provide that we would have a hunger for more people, young and old, to come to know Jesus. And the only way that hunger is going to happen is if we get hungry too. Only way. I can bring as many strategies to this pulpit as I need to. I can go out and find a magazine tomorrow that has 17 strategies of how to grow your church. The only way it's going to grow is if we get hungry for Jesus. Grow truthfully. Is if we get hungry for Jesus. Do what he says. Do what he's asked us to do. May we remember, God doesn't want us to be happy. He wants us to pursue him and be blessed while we do. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. I thank you, Lord, for the reminder that it is true. Our words do matter. Let us be careful what we promise to people. Because, Lord, sometimes our promises can run the risk of not being true. And, Lord, that could hurt people. So help us, Lord. This week, help us to pursue You with all of our hearts. Not so we can be happy, but that we, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, during this week, at tomorrow, as we focus in on family picnics and other things that might be going on, may we be reminded that we are blessed. We are blessed. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, we are blessed. We are blessed because as that speaker said on that video today, Lord, You did not give us hell. We are blessed because You did not give us other things. But You gave us Your love. For Lord, it's in Your name we pray this all. Amen.
Be glad in the Lord always. Focus your thoughts on all that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, all that is worthy of praise. And the peace of God that goes far beyond anything we can comprehend, that peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So go from here with confidence and joy to serve the Lord. Amen.